Tuesday, August 24, 2021. The Paul Truesdell Podcast. General business and economic observations, individual wealth tips, tricks, tools, and techniques, along with things that made Paul and Team Truesdell raise their eyebrows, shake their heads, and purse their lips while taking a deep breath. Due to our extensive holdings, that of our clients and your host, you should assume that we have a position in all companies discussed and that a conflict of interest exists. By listening, reading, or using this podcast and website in any manner, you understand the information presented is provided for informational purposes only and agree to our terms of use and privacy policy. Okay boys and girls, it's time to relax with coffee or tea, whiskey or wine, while driving, relaxing, or going for a walk. It's dad's time to talk about things that the limp-wristed, loafer-wearing, soccer dads are afraid to talk about. And for all the emotional-based midwits, this is not the podcast for you. Bye-bye. many years ago, I used to always keep a, a substantial line of credit. And banks really got screwed up. Oh, gosh, let me think. When would it have been? Probably around, I don't know, maybe 2008, 2009, when all the real estate nonsense took place. Let's talk a little bit about what a personal line of credit is all about, how to manage it, and it's, it's not a big deal. I actually think that a lot of people today are not familiar with what a line of credit is. So personal lines of credit are basically open-ended loans in which you can withdraw money when you need it, generally for a set period of time. Now, typically, lines of credit come from a bank, and there's a limit. And generally, they're between anywhere from $1,000 to $100,000. Now, you say $100,000. Why would you want to have a line of credit for $100,000? Well, let's say you want to buy a vehicle, and your vehicle costs $120,000. You've got more than enough cash laying around. But what you want to do is you really want to take it from your investments and you've got, let's say, you have laddered CDs or you have some bonds that are going to be coming due. You might say, I really think the market's going to do very well over the next few months. You might have a particular fund that you've set aside, a sinking fund. Right now, it's not exactly where you want it to be. You think it's going to go up. So there's different reasons why instead of putting it on a credit card, you would prefer to put it on a line of credit that has a lower interest rate. Now, during the loan, interest begins to uh, occur immediately once the funds are withdrawn. In some cases, you know, you have a structured where it's an interest-only loan, and then the balance is paid off either on a, a systematic schedule or on a lump sum. So basically, it functions a lot like a credit card. And personal lines of credit are usually unsecured, so you're going to pay a little higher interest rate because there's no collateral that's available. Now, you can also, you know, you could always borrow against your brokerage account. And you can do all sorts of different things. People have a lot of different, unique, and creative ways to grab cash when there's an inopportune time. And again, that's really what a line of credit is all about. Right now, I have a commercial piece of property. The commercial piece of property is getting ready to go under contract and the person who is going to be leasing the property is going to put, let's say, $500,000 down. Then they're going to have their systematic 
monthly payments. And so we've got a two month period in which we're kind of like a little sideways. Great. At the same time, there's an obligation that comes up. The contract is solid. There's clauses in the contract for penalty provisions if the person doesn't follow through. I feel good about this. It's all good. But again, I need to grab a quick $100,000 for whatever it might be. This is what you would want to have personal lines of credit. The problem I see is that you have more and more banking institutions that they're not interested in doing that. The reason is, is very few local banking, national, regional rather, they don't have a relationship with you. They don't know what's going on. So private money becomes a big deal. Of course, private money generally wants to have some kind of a secured component. They want something that, you know, they can get back um, some type of collateral. And when you have collateral, we're going to have lower interest rates. But one of the problems with personal lines of credit is that they're sold as, oh, you know, you can get a home equity, you can, you can, you can consolidate your debt. They, they use it for things that are, I think, wrong. And my, my point being is that if you use a personal line of credit as a backstop for when you had less than ideal timing, okay? And again, this is just a classic example. I have a, uh, a, an investment that's coming due, and this investment is specifically designed to buy a new car. The vehicle is going to cost, let's say, $120,000, $130,000, but I can get a hell of a deal right now on it, and I'm going to be three months short. So instead of taking a penalty from the investment, you just simply work the numbers. You go, okay, I get my personal line of credit. Boom, I got my $120,000. My investment's going to be coming due. Credit's going to cost me X to bail out of the investments. Why? It's better, I'm, let's say, two, three, four, five thousand dollars ahead to do the line of credit. And I really don't want to dip into my cash at that level. Let's say I've got half a million dollars in cash laying around. That's my comfort zone. I really don't want to dig into it and drop it down into, you know, 380. Okay, here's what we're going to do. Grab a quick personal line. Boom, done. It's over with. These are tools I think a lot of people are not using, and it provides, again, more flexibility. It's not ideal for people who have spending problems. It's ideal for those who don't have a spending problem, and they understand, yeah, I, I just simply have bad timing right now on one component, so I got a little bit of a cash squeeze I don't really want to incur. Now, there's lots of cons. People always talk about things, well, it's not deductible interest. Okay, so what? Oh, you have to pay an annual or monthly maintenance fee no matter what. Okay, you do that on a lot of credit cards anyways. Oh, it's a poor solution for long-term cash shortfalls. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, oh, but it requires really good credit scores to get. Uh, yeah. And the big thing is, oh, there's a temptation to spend money because there's easy access. Again, it's not for that. So if you have a local banking relationship, unfortunately, banks are no longer banks. Banks want to be your buddy. They're like financial planners. I feel your pain. They want to get you into, a, you know, always a bigger mortgage, more car loans. They want to always, you know, it's, it's lending money. I get it. But it's always about, you know, well, go see our broker and do this. And, you know, it's all the conflicts of interest. But a, a good old-fashioned traditional bank where people know each other, kind of hard to get these days. It would be uh, nice if the state of Florida would allow local banking without having to go through the FDIC. I don't know if you knew this. You cannot create a bank in the state of Florida unless you are approved and you go through the FDIC, which means in essence, everything is federally regulated. But those local small hometown banks where they do it right, and I'm not talking about getting stupid. We've all seen the banking fiascos from years ago. But if you had people who understood that, yeah, 
the banker gets in the car and drives uh, the neighborhood once a week and every couple of weeks to look at the properties they have money on. They're making phone calls. Hey, Bob, how you doing? What's going on? Those old-fashioned banking relationships, they got to come back. They got to come back. And if you can find one of those and you can get some personal lines, that's great. I bring this up because you may have seen that. But I think it was Bank of America. They shut them all down. They don't want anything to do with that stuff. But you do have, uh, as far as I know, and this uh, is a little bit dated, um, it's as of July 30th uh, when we did a, a quick look around. Wells Fargo, PNC, City, U.S. Bank, Regions, Key, they all do uh, personal lines. Wells Fargo goes up to $100,000. Uh, everybody else is twenty five to fifty, which is, you know, not exactly going to cut it unless you have a business and you've got a good, a really good score. So, hey, bottom line is understand what personal lines of credit are. They're not a bad, uh, not a bad thing to do, especially when you have credit cards who may suddenly decide to cut your credit. Now, if you're old enough to remember what happened in 2008 and nine when the real estate uh, fiasco went. You have people like myself that had perfect credit, and all of a sudden they just started lowering, lowering, and lowering the limits. Again, you you have to find alternatives. It's always best to be financially independent. But it is nice to have, you know, a million dollars of credit. You can always grab when you want. But when there is the algorithm, when Hal from 2001 Space Odyssey, which is now dated, can basically say, nope, everybody across the board is going to take a 50% cut on their line of credit because the bank has got one foot on a banana peel and the other on an ice cube. That sucks. But not everybody suffered during that time frame. Some of us made a hell of a lot of money because, well, what we do is we forecast intelligently, methodically. Real simple. Sometimes people have irregular income streams during sales. You need to have that little bridge. It is what it is, what it is. But always remember, nothing ever works better than good old-fashioned cash and near-term cash. Well, here's a little something that you may not have uh, thought about, and uh, that is uh, what Boeing has done recently. So everybody talks about the problems with Boeing, and you know most investors have just freaked out over the building of planes and the, the different problems they've had. But Boeing has a subsidiary. It's a, a division. It's called the Millennium Space Systems. And what the company did is it demonstrated recently the ability to deploy a tether technology for satellites that are no longer useful. Now, here's the long story real short. And remember, I'm not going to get into the details. I'm just going to keep it real simple. And here's the way it works. You got a satellite up there. Let's say it's going to run for two years. After two years, it's no longer needed. It's out of date. It has run its course. The problem is the damn thing keeps going around and around the earth. Now, the problem we have up in space is we have junk. Space junk is everywhere. Coordinating all this junk is a really expensive, massive feat. So one of the things that would be nice is how do you deorbit? How do you get these things to come back into the Earth's atmosphere and burn up? Burn up so that they do not strike any of us bipeds that are walking around on this ball of mud and they're gone. Now, people have talked about, well, what we can do is we can go up and grab them and bring them back. No, that's just not possible. That's never going to be happening. The best thing you can do is break them apart and get smaller pieces and psh, they're done. But what's really cool is that Millennium Space Systems demonstrated what's called a deployable tape technology. Now, the company in El Segundo has announced that they successfully demonstrated the ability to what they do is basically tether to one of these satellites. And as a result, it drags the satellite. Okay, now think of it like this. 
You know what a parachute is? What does a parachute do? Parachute causes drag. So the key is we attach this tape to the satellite, dragging it down into the Earth's atmosphere so it can be burned up upon re-entry uh, with as little as eight months. So what you have is you have this, this satellite. We want to deorbit the thing, okay? And, and without this tape, it could take years and years. Now we can get it down to as little as eight months. That's what they're saying. So a satellite that has, for example, a two-year operational life, you're looking at a piece of junk that could be hanging around there for decades. We got crap up there like, like everywhere. If the ability to create drag and get these things back in and burn up, kind of interesting, right? Now, there's a thing called Drag Racer and is the first complete demonstration of the safety and rapid deorbiting, I cannot kid you, that's the legitimate language of a satellite by what's called Terminator Tape Deorb Module. <laughs> Boy, just, how about we just simply say, hey, uh, here's what we got. You know, you know what a uh, fly trap is? You know, you got that yellow piece of paper you hang outdoors and the flies all get to it. Basically the same thing. We're just attaching fly paper a satellite and uh, it has the ability to drag the thing to a slower speed and eventually it it burns up it ain't any more complicated than that but it's a, a pretty cool thing because we've got entire constellations of satellites up there that need to be got to go bye-bye now here's something to also think about you ready for this what about from a military standpoint we've got bad guys who are doing satellites and we have a war. I mean, this stuff is coming. So the military needs this so they can militarize space. The Chinese are going to do it. The Russians are doing it. You know, everybody's going to militarize space. At some point in time, you know, when they want to take you out, it's just going to be uh, a simple. Yeah, there was Paulie walking down the sidewalk. He's like, oh, where was Paul? Well, he's just smoking a clump of ash there. Well, that's too bad. And if you stand around long enough, you get... And then the guys in uh, in China go, yeah, got rid of him. <laughs> but, you know, we laugh about these kind of things. This is real stuff. And so from a forecasting standpoint, from an investment standpoint, again, not making any recommendation, but these are things that, again, a lot of people only look at the headlines, the ABC, NBC, CBS. They don't really get into the deep weeds on things, which I encourage people to do, because the reality in life is there's a lot more going on than the clown car news will report on. Well, what do you say we get out of here and we're going to drop in a little song here called Chemtrails by Simone. And this is brand new. I know a lot of people that do podcasts don't do something towards the end like this, but I do. And so with that... Hope you're having a great day on Tuesday, August the 24th, 2021. Thanks for joining me, and I hope you'll join me tomorrow. Same time, same bad channel, 5 o'clock in the morning. Bye-bye. <laughs>